Hello everyone and welcome back to my podcast Straight White Whale, the last podcast of the year because it's so close to Christmas and Paul needs a holiday because he's been grafting like fuck. So we're going to have a good one today and then we'll be back in January. Paul, how are you mate? Are you looking forward to your break? I sure am mate, I'm sure I'm. One more podcast after this. Two therapy clients in the morning, and then I'm done for 10, no, 14, 15, 16 days. So I'm looking forward to it. Can he beat it, mate? It's well earned. I mean, who's going to be doing podcasts on Christmas Eve and all that? That's just taking the piss. You would be surprised. Honestly. Not on Christmas Eve, but around about that time, like people come back into the city. Uh, people that only normally here are here for a couple of weeks. Well, you know, COVID willing. Yeah. But um, nah, mate, it's not happening. There's a forum on Facebook called the Scottish Comedy Forum and there's like 30,000 members. Most of them are all scud books, right? <laughs> and a couple of years ago, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I remember a guy uh, posted on Christmas Day, would anybody ever do a Christmas Day gig? And literally everybody was like, mate, what the fuck? It's Christmas Day, mate. Aye, mate, you need to be one some sad piece of shit to I go to work on Christmas. <laughs> I'm kidding on, mate, that's so shit. <laughs> no, it is, man. You're a sad piece of sack of shit. Unless you're, like, working for an ambulance or a doctor or a police or something, you shouldn't be working on Christmas Day. Aye, mate. It's a hard Apart time from me when I'm grafting birds. <laughs> I never take a day off. <laughs> Sorry I get my COVID jag the day I'm fucked. Right, you fucking turned into a lizard. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got my booster. Uh, I feel a wee bit rough, mate. Aye, mate, you will. Yeah. Just put a flu vaccine into it, man. You're going to feel rough for a couple of days. Um, my mate, it's so funny, like, you hear how the, the, the fucking Facebook post really infiltrate people's head when my mate was texting me going, I've got that Moderna elm. I'm like, what's that? Where they gave me the jag, it's, it's sore. And I'm like, aye, mate, because you get stabbed. Like, you ever, see when you're a wee guy, do you ever get stabbed in the arse with a compass and, like, fucking techie or something like <laughs> that? Mate, that shit hurt for days, man. Aye. So, I, of course, no, it's the vaccine. Like, okay, no bother. It's supposed to be sore. See if it's no sore, mm -hmm. you're not working hard enough, mate. <laughs> that means that the vaccine's working. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts in the way in and the way out. I actually needed five vaccines today because the nurse said I was that solid. She was like, no, nah, you need more. <laughs> Did you tuck that shit under your belt? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same, you know, I know it's probably getting nothing today with the similar to it but uh when people get a hair transplant mm -hmm. they don't realize that it takes four weeks to heal right right and it takes up to 22 months for it to look normal but we live in a society that you're like what do you mean you need to take a week like i had to take seven days off after it right people can't nobody's got patience for that Right, it's no type thing you can go and get done your lunch or what and Aye, go but I think it. we live in a society when like nobody wants to get the the vaccine because you're gonna be fucked for two days mm -hmm. and they don't realise that Either they're gonna kill their granny on Christmas Day or what? Sometimes you're gonna be fucked. Aye, for sure. I mean that's getting nothing to do with the hair transplant into it. I'm just tripping it, my nut. No, but it, I think well, you know what, mate, hair transplants are becoming pretty common if they if they became affordable or something, like yeah. or they're firing credit at cunts like here come get a hair transplant pay up per four months or something like that. right okay it's very seen, cheap seen a few people get it done um do you know what it was really weird was this experience like see for like the last sort of 
maybe until about a year ago, right, I always felt like I was going bald. Mm. And I would be pure, oh, I should just shave my head, man. And then I seen some cunt get a hair transplant and they were like the big reveal. And I was like, that looks like my hair. So that guy's paid thousands to go and get what is essentially my hair doing, now he's showing it off. It's like, maybe I'm maybe I'm no going bald. Yeah. It's weird to put your fucking eyes date you sometimes, man. I think one of my mates said it to me. He was like pure, oh, you're thinning and see for there. And I was like quite obsessed. But what I have noticed, see, since I've like recovered from mental health issues and shit, my hair's way thicker. Yeah. I don't, it must have been stress related. I've been like thinning or whatever. Would have been. See, when you realise that nobody gives a fuck as well. Like, Aye. see, the first day that I was allowed to walk out the house uh, with my, my head, like, I was walking down the main Do you road. need to stay in? Basically, aye, because right. your head gets infected, you right. need to rest, you can't wash it. So even if you did right. go out, you're going to be walking out with kind of dried in blood all over your head because you're not allowed to touch it. Right. You so, can't touch it for okay. se- or scratch it for seven days. Right. See, when you wash your head after seven days, it was like an orgasm in the aye, shower, mate. man. Oh, my God. But see, when I did get a wash and went out for a walk, and mm-hmm. obviously my head was still massive and bruised and it looked fucked. And you're walking past people and they cunts even looking at you. And I'm like, I'm feeling self-conscious for losing a wee bit of hair. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a fuck, do they, man? See, anybody that does give a fuck, like, you don't really, you really shouldn't care what the types of people think. See people that like, see people and be like, oh, I mean, you should shave see, that's a pure state. It's like, fuck off, mate. You know what I mean? Like, people have their fucking life, man. Exactly. Why are you walking about pure obsessing about it the way other people fucking look? You're mad fucking pedo. (laughs) I'd exactly. say this bastard. I I genuinely think it's always a reflection of how they feel about themselves, mate. Like my mate that did that to me, pure. Oh, you're thinning. He went bald when he was like 21, so he's just pure hyper focused on cunt's hair because he's yeah. like, oh, but it was a genuine eye opener when people are paying thousands to get my hair do. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm pure telling myself that I should be shaved my head, but I get rid of that shit. But like I said, it was about a year, maybe, mate. See, I don't know about you, but see my concept of what year it is, man, it's fucked. See that 2020 COVID year? That doesn't... I'm like, that That was about a year ago, I really sort of... It wasn't, it was like two, three years ago. Like, what's yeah. happened to fucking time, man? It's Crazy, just... Crazy, it? It's mental, mate. Probably looks like we're going towards another lockdown as well, mate. Uh, a lot of panels getting cancelled and gigs are getting cancelled. Uh, I, so. don't, I don't know if we're going to go into a full lockdown, but it looks like they're definitely going to start limiting capacities, at least. Mm. I think I'd seen a leaked memo for the Welsh government where it was like half... Going back to the rule of six, mm. you can only meet... So basically they're getting... They're winding it back step by step. So like the last, I think, stage of restrictions was you can meet indoors no more than six people for two or three households. Working back to that, like mm-hmm. um, whether or not we go back to a full lockdown, I don't know. But, you know, case of Asaramate, like I, we can't do anything about it, you know, like if these cases are fucking skyrocketing, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? It is what it is, isn't it? Did you have any anxiety when you were getting your your vaccines because I'm not going to lie mate see when I went to the Louisa Jordan for that uh, second I had a wee moment where I was like fuck man what if this is all pure mind control so <laughs> you didn't have a word with yourself man so did I see since day one I've been pro NHS pro mask pro vaccine right and then right up until a week before I get my first vaccine I'm surrounded with dough balls right <laughs> that are friends I know 
<laughs> and a lot of them are like David Icke, all that type of stuff. Uh-huh. And a few of them fucking nearly got me, man, to the point that I was like, this vaccine has been rushed out and all that type of stuff. It hasn't really, though. They've been working on it for 10 years. It's got something to do with mm. SARS, isn't it? Aye, well, Ebola and, and um, swine flu Aye. and all that are all part of the SARS strain, which is COVID is Aye. part of that, so uh, you're right. So they've been working on it for 10 years and obviously they flung all the money at it and mm-hmm. they've rushed it through. But I don't know what it is, but I, I did think, do you know what, I'm not going to take it. And then I spoke to my cousin and my cousin said, are you fucking serious? Like, you've since day one, you've like slaughtered people that have been <laughs> anti-vax, uh-huh. all that type of stuff. And then I was working with my, my, my mate one day and we were in the West End, and I swear on my mother's life, see the guy's house that we're working on. Uh, the guy was a doctor. He was retired for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and he worked with uh, viruses like AIDS. Can- he's done everything. Cancer, top, top guy, right? Right. And he came out of retirement to work <coughs> with Right, this. aye. When they gave the licences back to people. Aye, because mm-hmm. they were short as well, short-staffed, mm-hmm. and he was an expert. And I said, look, mate, can I please talk to you for two minutes? I'm scared. I'm surrounded by cold water therapists that are telling me not to take the vaccine, Mm -hmm. to take vitamin C. And he sat me down and he was basically said, look, the only way we're going to get through this is taking a vaccine and then see when it kind of levels out and things kind of get back to normal. It will just be like the flu jab once a year. And I said, that's... I done so the guy sold me on it and then I got and done it, went and done it. But the first one I got, my arm was a wee bit sore. The second one I was fucked for three days. Aye, that's it, mate. I mean I had a conversation with a guy last weekend where well, I had two conversations in the one week and it just shows you how deep this runs like for people that you know and people that you're like, okay, it's it's not just idiots, they're no you know what I mean? Like as much as it's funny to go, I'm surrounded by dobals, like I've, yeah. got, I've, you know, I had conversation, two conversations last week. One with a good mate who was telling me that he's not getting the booster. So I'm watching the football, double vax, and he said, I'm not getting the booster. And I was like, how come? And he was like, oh, I've read this article about the link between strokes and the Pfizer vaccine. So I was like, well, first of all, get the article out. I'm not sitting here listening to you talk fucking pish. Like, get it out. <laughs> I want to read it. So struggles to find it. And, and I'm like, where did you see it? guess where facebook and i was like what was the website don't know and i was like right get into your internet history put in covid vaccine we find the article right it's on some fucking mad wordpress <laughs> fucking <laughs> not even get a proper url it's just it's like pure numbers and all sorts of pish to it and i'm like right cool who's the author can you find the name of the author it's not even the pfizer so this just demonstrates it to me in a weird way like they were talking about astrazeneca and i was like well listen mate listen look see if you're going to spout your pish at least know what pish you're going to spout to people. Uh-huh. Don't start flinging vague ideas at people. Have it. It shows me that you've no really thought about this. You've yeah. read something vaguely and decided that's it. Yeah. You've no done even the most basic a due diligence on the information that you're consuming and you're consuming junk, right? So then we're like, let's look at the data, right? The data was real, right? Mm-hmm. But it was 4,000 people spread over six months. In, a, in an area, right? And when we googled the area in that six months, 180 million vaccinations had been administered. 
So you're talking about a fraction of a fraction of a percent. And also, when you look at the line of people that took strokes, mm. it hasn't been up year yeah. on year. So it's kind of circumstantial. So, so would it be like us taking paracetamol and you having a stroke through taking paracetamol, but then you say, but there's 7 billion people in the world, 5 billion people take paracetamol? Right, exactly. And adding to that, that say paracetamol came out at the start of this year, mm. 19,000 people have died within 7 days of taking paracetamol through strokes. Mm -hmm. But last year... 21,000 people died in that same time period. So it's false equivalence. Like, of course, people are going to die in the days and the weeks and the months after getting a vaccination. Yeah. Because people fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> like, and people take strokes. So I was like, tell me, like, you've convinced me. I was like, tell him, thank you very much. You've convinced me to go and get my booster because you've just reinforced to me how easily people are convinced by really poor data, poor arguments. But if you, in that sense... It was real what he was talking about. He just does not know how to interpret data. Yeah. And 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 I, neither do I, mate. I just done a basic sort of five-minute dig on this article and found it to be unreviewed, yeah. nay author on a pish website, and also, like, the, the data that they'd pulled was real, but the conclusion that they had came to was absolute fucking nonsense horseshit. Yeah. So that was one conversation, and my mate Dave was, like, pure... Shit, I need to bleep his name it. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you know, still on the fence, mate. I had no I was just kind of like pointed out the nonsense and what he was telling me, and he and he, he wasn't budging. That's he didn't crazy. seem to budge in any way, which is fine. That's yeah. But then the other conversation, and I'll, I'll edit this down so it's like really quick, mate. Was with a guy on Saturday night, and he was saying to me, anybody that goes and gets this is a shite bag, mm. and I was like, the opposite of that is true, mate. Why are you not getting it? Yeah. Because he was like, because of like people are dying. I was like, so you're afraid of taking the vaccine? Why am I a shite bag? Uh, because you're just falling, <laughs> you're a sheep. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm no mate. I have the same reservations and skepticism that you do. Yeah. And I had anxiety going and getting it. Like, well, By, uh, make it make sense to me. Yeah. And I will get on your side. Yeah. But see, until you're rambling a whole load of fucking pish that you've found on the internet, mm -hmm. on YouTube, on Facebook, that has got no way of, like, you know, being reviewed by experts. Like, Joe Rogan yesterday had a doctor on from Texas, right, talking about COVID and talking about... he. So he was the, the hydrocodone guy, the, the bleach pish that got fed to Trump. Yeah. He's on Rogan unchallenged. Yeah. Talking about stuff that, if you Google it, is real... But the conclusions that the guy comes to is like this mad leap over a fucking chasm of like yeah. mental gymnastics. Was that the older guy? Uh-huh. Yeah. And like what what Rogan did, I don't know if you remember, with the vegan thing where he go there was a Netflix documentary about how you can be a healthy vegan. Then he put on this guy who was a counterpoint. Then he got so many complaints that he brung in the guy that did the research for the Netflix documentary and they shared their data with each other, and then two weeks later they came in and they had a debate. The guy from Netflix bitch-slapped this guy about fucking Rogan's podcast, yep. right? He needs to do the same thing with this guy. Yeah. They need to get somebody, because, you know, this guy gets a billion downloads a month, mate. It's not, there's 7.2 billion people on the planet. There's a big, huge proportion of the planet that listens to this guy's podcast. He needs to get this guy on, and they need to share data backwards and forwards with 
a government expert or an expert for the W, like the World Health WHO. Yeah. And they need to have it out on that podcast because you can't platform people like that no. that are coming away with pish about life. And, yeah. you know, let's just half the population of the planet, let's just let 50% of the population, yeah. you know, mostly disabled and old people just die because we don't, you know, I want to be able to go to Burger King. Fuck you, man. Exactly, mate. I'm it's probably very... edit all that out, mate. No, fuck it. Keep it in. Keep it it's in. Too it's much of it... me fucking talking about, mate. I'm no. just so sick of it, mate. And like my girlfriend last Christmas missed her granny's fucking final Christmas on this fucking planet because of pish that's going on. Do you know what I mean? Idiots yeah. that just don't want to fucking listen. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And, and think that this is all just some sort of big fucking joke and that they know more than anybody else, do you know yeah. what I mean? I'm an intuitive, like, do you know what you are, mate? A fuck nugget. Yeah. Like, go away. I, no, you're no. You listen to Joe Rogan, you smoke weed, and your brains became warped. There's nothing wrong with listening to Joe Rogan. It's improved my life. I wouldn't have been a vegan if it wasn't for Joe Rogan. That's where I heard Rich Roll. Right. I was like, who's this dude? Went and listened to him. I was like, wow. Did you listen to the one where they got the guy off Yep. Right. And it was the most satisfying thing I've ever listened to in my life. Because he was Brilliant. just flat out saying, you're a liar. And you know, it is true. When I was a vegan, I was a hardcore vegan for two years, right? See, as soon as I started eating cheese again and drinking milk and eating chocolate, that's when I got fucked. It wasn't being a vegan that fucked me. It was introducing these foods again. Aye, for sure, mate. So, but see what you're saying. Look, people are convinced. Like, you can get two people that read the same set, of, same reports, same set of data, and people will naturally go to one side or the other based on their own biases. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And if somebody is, you know, a Trumper or, you know, they've got political motive, you know, they live in Texas, which has had no lockdowns, yeah. you know, blah, 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 then you need to take that into consideration when you're forming your opinion. There was a guy mm. walked in here last night, went, I don't think you can catch COVID twice. And I was like, well, I know a couple of people where that's happened. So, but why do you think that? Because I listened to this podcast with Joe Rogan the day. <sighs> and it's like, so you now believe something because you listened to it yeah. on a podcast. Like I listened to the same podcast. Mm -hmm. was like, that's really interesting. Looked at some of the facts, went, fuck, what this guy's saying is true. Then Googled the guy and went, but I'm going to be a bit sceptical just based on what I've read. Yeah. That's it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to buy into things just because somebody that sounds like they know what they're talking about on a mm -hmm. podcast is flapping their fucking gums. Like, I could quite easily be like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, mental health professional with over a thousand hours of therapy under my belt and I'm here to tell you that depression does not exist. Yeah. And somebody might listen to that and go, that guy really knows what he's talking mm -hmm. about. My, my, my girlfriend's depression's a load of shite. Yeah. She's been self-indulgent, that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just, aye, it's it's crazy, mate. Well, just, my dad's old, like, people make push for idiots. Mm -hmm. You just need to know that at all times in your head. People make push for idiots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, aye, fuck it. Anyway. Enjoy your fucking booster. <laughs> As I can see you at my left eye while talking to you. <laughs> nah, it's what I'm saying, but... So... Uh, sobriety. We're going to talk about... Sobriety. No, this journey. is a strange one for me because today, um, the 17th of December, is the actual my sober date. So today I'm six years sober. Congratulations, mate. Thank you very much, mate. And what do you mean by sober? Six years ago, I had my last drop of alcohol and drug. 
Right, so you're alcohol and drug free. Yes. Congratulations, mate. It takes a hell of a lot of willpower to go six years. Thank you very much, mate. And as time goes on, see the achievement of being sober. It's not as euphoric, but I realise that I've got a platform. I realise that we're nearly two years into a lockdown or COVID or whatever you want to call it. I know that this time a year is dreadful for some people with it all this carry on mm -hmm. alone just this time of year is bad enough mm -hmm. and then you're adding covid and all this shit it's just awful so i think i've got a platform might be a small platform but it might help someday just like it helped me that showed me that kind of sober life so i thought that i would talk about my sobriety uh share about my experience maybe my first drink mm -hmm. in between and my last drink, and then the both years can name some charities to help some people. For sure, and mate. It, it won't be the type of fucking go up to the camp, seize with your boss, and it will only be £65, and don't take <laughs> antidepressants. And I'm not saying don't go to a doctor. If you're fucked and you need help, go to a doctor. Go to the Absolutely, experts. Mate. Absolutely. But hopefully I can help someone. And, you know, I think we, I know a few people that when they get, when they've got a sober date, they just say, oh, it's just another day trying to be humble. And I think, mm. do you know what? Life is fucking awful, right? Life is shit. It's amazing. We've got friends and family and all that. But see, birthdays and these moments are small moments of joy. Mm -hmm. I think they should be celebrated. a 100% agree with you. See, if you've achieved something, pat yourself on the back. Yeah. And whatever way that looks, that's all right. If you want to make a video and put it on... Uh, Instagram and, and do it man do mm -hmm. it people if somebody looks at it and goes oh what a self-indulgent blah 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 fuck them yeah. like they're they're probably in the middle <laughs> whatever that you're talking about so yeah. mate I genuinely uh, have so much respect for people that overcome addiction it's it, it's a curse for people like mm -hmm. I think that especially in the the world that we live in um so many people are addicted to so many things. Um, yeah. So hearing a story of sobriety can and will inspire people. Yeah. So if it's not for you, that's great. Yeah. Turn off. You know? We'll still try and make it funny because every sadly everybody knows an alcoholic, especially in I Scotland mean, and Glasgow. We've just been ravaged with this. It's part disease. of our culture, mate. I mean, yeah. it might doesn't even shock me. When I hear about people like, I'm going to ask you, but my first drink was at like eight. Was it? I mate, I had, well, I had had like a shandy, you know, like a, a bit of beer put in at Christmas day and a, like a snowball on Christmas Eve, but I got a litre bottle of Pulse, <laughs> which was a fucking, <laughs> at the time, you know, how old I was, was a 75p bottle of cider and I went to a school fundy. Mm. That was my first drinking experience, but then... Didn't drink for years after that and had my first proper drink at like 16. Yeah. Which was like three litres of Strongbow that get consumed there the course of like, you know, between <laughs> five o'clock at night and 11 o'clock at night, mate. And I was steaming. Yeah. Like blind drunk, like made a fool, made an arse out. So yeah. what, what age were you? I think I was 14. I can't see because so much time has passed, uh, memories became blood, but... 14 was my first one, and I think it was the same as you, mate. I had, a, I think my brother, I don't even know why he done it, gave me a can of beer. Yeah, grass. Like, 
Drunk it on. I know. I was like, oh, that was kind of shit. Aye, mate. And then I had my first drink when I was 16, and it was in a golf course. And exact same as you, mate. I made an absolute cunt of it. I was greeting. Um, there was a wee burn in the golf course. It was just like a wee swamp. And I remember the police drove into the golf course to lift everybody, and I ran away. And I ended up falling into the burn. <laughs> so I was so like, I was doomed for the start. I, so I remember, like, <laughs> see, as the police were lifting everybody, I was in this wee swamp like that, literally <laughs> like that, just peeking out for a swamp. But fucking, uh, what's the mad fucking, the pure famous war movie where he's in the fucking <laughs> oh. Apocalypse now. Aye, mate, like Martin, Martin Sheen had done Apocalypse now. Just the eyeballs hanging out, man. I went back to my house that night, drenched in shite. My ma's like, have you been drinking? I'm like, no. But I probably started drinking when I was 18. And mm. there's a couple of major things in my life. Like, I was always... I think people think you've got a, a stereotypical view of an alcoholic. A guy that will lie under a bridge and drink cheap cider <laughs> meth and milk aye i think i personally think you don't need to be drinking no. every day to be an alcoholic no. it's how you how you feel yeah mate i had a problem with alcohol i wouldn't have classified myself as an alcoholic uh-huh. but i had a problem with alcohol my problem with alcohol was i could not have one or two drinks yeah if i went out and you can ask any of my mates testify to this mate I would just be like fucking guzzling the bevy down, man. It was total escapism. Yeah. Friday night, Saturday night, and then during the week you would sort of like whatever. But I still see that as an addiction because yeah. I think that you can enjoy alcohol. Mm-hmm. Maybe not if you've experienced like what addiction is or whatever it is, but when you start to use it as an escape for like real life, whether that be one night or seven nights a week, I think that you've got a problem with it. Yeah. Um, you've got the potential to have a problem and you should start managing yourself at the very least. Mm-hmm. So I know what you mean, like alcoholics don't. And addicts don't look, you know, I remember a guy that used to, I think I mentioned this to you before, used to work for the council as a bin man and would fucking get home and smoke heroin. And wow. I remember being quite shocked by that, like what, he's got a job and... He's got a bird and they've got a wane and he fucking sm- he's taking smack. That doesn't he compute in my head and it's because of that idea that you're talking about that addicts look like this. Mm-hmm. No, they don't, man. We're surrounded by them. Fuck's yeah. sake, I know cunts that are addicted to their phone. Oh, addicted I... to fucking food. Addicted to porn. Addicted to fucking yep. go to the gym. Addicted to being fucking... Taking photos and putting it on the internet. You know what I, I mean? Like, exactly. Just everything, mate. Because I think I, I, when I first started to realise that I maybe have a, might have a problem, I was comparing myself to other alcoholics, maybe family members and, you know, looking at being judgmental and mm-hmm. looking at, like, homeless people or drug addicts and thinking, I've still got a job and I'm no homeless and I can't be an alcoholic. And, and then see when the penny drops, it's, it's not exactly a devastating feeling. I think it was... Um, I think I realised I was an alcoholic when I when I stopped drinking. Like I've had long periods of sobriety in my life with no right. with no help or no support network, and see those months, um, they've been the worst months of my life right. because I've took away. Self, it's like self medicating. I've took away the self medication, and I've done nothing about. Try to replace it Aye. or fix the, the underlying Aye. issue. So I don't know if you've ever had that in your life when people stop drinking for Lent or something like that 
and then your family will be like, he's better off on the fucking drink. <laughs> Never mind after. Well, that's it, mate. It's like people that have uh, maybe an eating disorder or uh-huh. um, eat too much and then they go to the opposite direction and start restricting everything that they eat and going to the gym religiously and it's unacceptable if I don't get up and I don't work out and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, now you're on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. Life is about finding that balance about like... What do yeah. you what do you want today? You know, like truly. Um, but I think that I get quite a lot as a therapist as well. Mate, I get quite a lot of questions for people like, "Oh, how do you know that you're addicted?" See if you have that thought in your head. Am I addicted? Mm-hmm. See the thing that you're thinking about. Get up for a month. Aye. No matter what it is that you're thinking about, if you're asking that question, is this a problem? Do an experiment to see if it is a problem. Yeah. And you'll fucking find out soon enough because if on that first night you're like, oh, you're itching, you're jonesing for something, yeah. then you're, you've are you got a problem, you know? Exactly. It's, but that's my experience in life as well because I know it's supposed to be anonymous, but I've, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous and the only reason I stopped going was because of COVID. And I went there for years and it served a purpose and it mm-hmm. helped me, but I'm not shackled by it. I used it as a tool to help me get through a bad period of my life. Uh-huh. But if I need help, I would go to the doctor or a therapist or use anything I can to get through that. But I, I used to see people come there, including myself, by the way, and sit there and think, I'm an alcoholic. Hmm. See if you walk through the doors of an AA meeting and you're sitting on a chair at a meeting. I think that answers your question uh, for before sure, you even speak. Do you know what I mean? And there's no shame. I look at it this way, right? I'm allergic to alcohol. That's it. It's that simple. See, when I put alcohol or drugs into my body, it changes every aspect of my life. It changes me physically. It changes me mentally. Mm-hmm. And I think it changes me spiritually. Yeah, mate. 100%. And I, I get quite, you know, I, I'm a... A po- I'm drug positive, uh-huh. like totally drug positive, you know, not know about like, you know, injecting black tar heroin, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> if you need a, a painkiller man, morphine, like you, yeah. we, we, exactly what you said, like even the drugs can be tools and uh, people be like, but you smoke weed and you take mushrooms and you're talking about addiction. Uh-huh. I think that what's very important about how you use a drug and include alcohol in this and caffeine, by the way, and tobacco mm-hmm. is what is the intention of you taking it so if your intention of having a glass of wine or a beer is to you know be with your pals social lubrication feeling part of, you know some people will be like i, don't, I feel but i feel kind of like an outcast if i sit and have a diet coke and everybody's having a drink right well you have one or two that's totally different for what i was doing and it sounds like what you were doing, yeah. which was like, as soon as a Jack Daniels, I cracked a bottle of Jack Daniels open, my head was pure, let's get fucked up, man. Let's get fucked. I want to get fucked up. That was my yeah. intention. I used to say to people, I had this weird thing, I had, I could always control it, but people would be like, do you want a pint? And I'd be like, we're going to? Mm. No. Nah. And I'd be like, no, nah, it's fucking pointless then. Yeah. Oh, what, really? I, I drink to get drunk, mate. I don't, you know, that was basically what I was doing. I'm the same, mate. That's a problem. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. So your intent is really important. The mm-hmm. Intention, like I take mushrooms, is like a sort of therapeutic thing for my mind. Mm-hmm. I've got mates that take it, take it fucked up. Yeah, and they 
usually don't have that great a time when they take them, but when you take them with this intention of like sort of I really want to be present with it and I really want to get something out of this, it's they can be a really great tool. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So um I, I understand. We've all I, I don't judge people that smoke weed. The only reason I probably don't smoke weed is because I can't handle it. Like mm-hmm. I just can't handle it. Just I could go out take when I was younger, take twenty eckies, right? Honestly, and be alright and t- twenty pints and still be functioning at a party. Mm-hmm. See if you gave me two draws of a joint, Aye, mate, I would go fucking white, paranoid, hear voices, and I'm like, right, I, me, physically I just can't react to uh-huh. that. That's no for me. Was ecstasy your drug of choice? It used to be when I was younger. Right. I really hope my family's not fucking listening to this. So I think but... this is like an important thing about it, is, is that you just talked about your first drink, right? Do you remember your first half pill? Yeah. And how good was that fucking... I mean, that's basically what you're chasing for the rest of your pill journey. Yep. And I was the same as you, mate. I'd go to nightclubs and take eight yep. and just be like, fu- so fucked up. But I never achieved that high that I go. I was in a house party in Burmark and took half a love heart in like fucking 2003. Yep. And mate, I, I, I can even still remember the hairs in the back of my neck storing up and just going, oh, mate, oh my God, really? And then... Playing football in a back garden in the pushing range, just pure howling. <laughs> Aye, I did. I do remember having this curiosity towards drugs. It was like a hunger that was never gone away, and I started right. asking people in my school that took them, "What's it like?" And nobody would have stopped me for taking eckies before I took them, because it was so. It, it just wasn't going to stop me. Like, and see, as soon as I took it. My first pill, I remember thinking my life is never going to be the same. See, before I took my first drink, I, I, you know, we're surrounded with alcoholics and alcoholism, mm-hmm. right? I, I hated alcohol when I was younger, before I even drank it. And right. see, the first time I drank, maybe I know the can of beer with my brother, but the first time I get drunk, mm-hmm. I thought, fuck it, I'm going to have so a So what was it about drinking that made you think like what was the change what do you mean like what did you notice that made you be like i'm gonna drink again because well i know myself uh-huh. what it was i was like freeing uh, it was totally freeing i was getting cunts abuse <laughs> do you know what i mean like, uh, i was just just being a dick really but it was like almost it just freed me up to just and i was just like oh, i want to do that again it was that was what it was for me that's what i noticed I I think looking back through a lot of self work, I think I realised it felt like a medicine. I was like crippled with anxiety and confidence problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't talk to girls. Uh, couldn't do anything really. Hated myself. And then soon as I was drunk, I felt the tension leave my body. Mm-hmm. But that's a terrible cycle of self harming. And then there's a lot of chemical reactions to your brain because anytime I Towards the end, any time I drank or took drugs, it was 24 hours in my bed. Uh, I remember the last time I, sp- I peed into an empty bottle of Lucasaid. I couldn't leave my bed. Right, like I crippled like, with anxiety? Yep. Right. So couldn't that, leave, couldn't speak, couldn't That's eat. when, like, mental health meets a substance like that. Yep. I noticed that myself, mate. Yep. When I was in the pits of my depression and anxiety, drink the, the for, like, days after drinking, I would have the most ultimate fear. Uh-huh. And would think that's a hangover. My hangovers are getting worse, getting yeah. old. It's like you're 28. 
Like, mate, it's no, it's that your fucking problem is meeting your other fucking problem uh-huh. on these Sunday mornings when you wake up. Do you know what I mean? It's like the young team that take gear. They, I think there's a high suicide rate with young men. Yep. Um, I'm not saying it's with drugs, but when you take cocaine, right? See if you're 19 years old in Glasgow and you buy a gram of coke off someday. See if I'm a coke dealer, I'm going to say, see that 19-year-old, I'm giving him the shite gram because he's a fucking daft eh, and he's not going to do anything. So see that gram, it's going to be full of paracetamol, teething powder, ekies, maybe speed or whatever. It's mixed up into all this shite and then you've got a wee guy at 19 to 25. I'm not being condescending when I say wee guy, sorry. And then you're snorting all this gear, you're taking all this booze, and you wake up the next day and you're like, what the fuck has happened to me? It's because your brain has went into shock. You're probably depressed anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe your anxiety anyway. It just times all that by a billion. And that's what I realised with me. But there's, I mean, that... See, when you think back to your... Beha- remember Vine? Do you ever remember Vine? Aye, of course, mate. I was right. limited daft on Vine. Right. So I done pretty well in Vine, right? Mm-hmm. And Vine was before Scott Squad. Right. So I did stand up all the time. I worked in Asda and I was a part time comedian. Simpler days, was it? <laughs> the glory days. <laughs> so I used to, this is how I used to operate. See, the box as a nightclub in Glasgow. Yes. Yeah. in Sucky Hall Street. I mate loved it, I know. Open seven nights a week to three in the morning. So this was my technique to get to be a functioning alcoholic. I started to know the people in the box because they were mad wrestling fans. I did some wrestling work and they just loved comedy. So I'd done gigs in there. So what I used to do is any night of the week, it didn't matter what it was, but it was mostly Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I used to walk into the box and they'd say, all right, Dan, how you doing? What were you up to the night? And then I would say, I was doing a gig. Mm-hmm. I'm buzzing out my nut. I'm just in for a pint to come down because I'm buzzing on adrenaline uh-huh. in my gig. And they'd be like, I no worries on you go. You want a pint? Probably get a free pint, two free pints, cheap drink, and just stone at the bar and get mad with it. And then people would recognise me for vain. Oh, you're that mad cunt for vain. And I'd be like, aye. And they'd be like, why are you in here yourself? Oh, I was gigging at the stand. I'm just in for a couple of pints before I go up the road. Uh-huh. Why don't you have a drink with us? Ah, uh, you sure? That's it. Ah, you're on a night out. That was it. Woo! Yes, here we go. That was my technique. Right. Every single time. Sometimes I even pull birds and all that. It's fucking mental, but Aye, I'm in course, there myself. Mate, some of these people that you meet, like, uh, no offence to people, but you end up going in these mental nights out sometimes and you're just like on like these weird self-destructive fucking trips with oh. cunts that you've just met in a fucking pub and Aye. they become your best pal and you wake up the next day and you realise that you'd probably wouldn't fucking give them the time of day if you walk by them in the fucking aye. street, mate. Exactly. Or they, aye, mate. That type of stuff, like, um, I hear Kieran talk about that a lot and I'm like, gonna stop doing that. Gonna or like, going random nights out. Just going out himself and picking up fucking stragglers and going yeah. for a fucking mental, depressive, back to a gaff with yeah. cunts that you don't know. It's like, you don't know who these people are, man. Aye. And I, and there was another way that I did it. There's a pub in Bishop Briggs called the Crow Tavern. Uh-huh, right. And everybody knows everybody in Springburn and Bishop Briggs, right? So you could go into the Crow, the Briggs Bar, the Quins, and you'll know someday. There's always somebody in there that you'll know. Mm-hmm. So what I did with the Crow Tavern was 
I used to walk inside it, right? And I knew 15 people there. I never knew that they were going to be in that night. But I'd go in. How fucking pathetic is this, right? And I used to, like, look about and do that. And then, say, I clocked my mate's stepdad. I won't <coughs> name him, right? But he was standing there. I'd be like, all right, mate, how you doing? And he's like, are you who you in for? And I'd be like, I'd be in for and name his son. I'm like, oh, we're, we're going to get a quick pint, but where is he? And he's like, oh, he's not here. I'm like, oh, fuck's sake, man, I thought we were getting a pint. Well, why don't you just grab a pint and wait for him to come in? Oh, all right, then. And then that was that. Just looking, try to make an excuse to get a drink, man. Aye. Then I'd be there with my mate's stepdad getting mad with it on a Wednesday night. Aye, and getting- I- Getting, old shite pub. Getting prosies and fucking <laughs> getting clout on your mate's stepdad. <laughs> but uh, I'm kidding on, mate. I'm kidding on. But you're right, mate. You're just looking for that excuse. Like, yeah. alcoholics love Christmas mm. because every cunt's getting on it. So see, that's why people like end up in these mad, weird, toxic relationships. Like, alcoholics find other alcoholics. It's like a match made in heaven for them because then they've no get that partner being like, maybe you shouldn't drink tonight. Maybe you should take it easy. They've just, they almost egg each other on. Yeah. And when you go into a pub and buy yourself, you're doing in, you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be, won't sit down with me. You're just sitting with somebody that's like, well, we'll get drunk. I don't know you. You don't know yeah. me. You get, mate, I would love the types of circumstances as well because I could spout pish to people. <laughs> just talk one load of shit. Oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. No, you'll know. You're in a pub at fucking two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon having a fucking drink, man. Like, calm the fuck down. But, um, I mean, it's it's mental. Some of the, the lengths that people will go to when they're in that, like you're saying, try and sort of act normal. Come in, oh, I'm meeting my pal, don't know where he is, and yeah. next minute you're fucking best pals for life, steaming it's drunk. Like the best actor in the world, isn't it? It's like, it's good, crazy. Good training for you, but uh, what did your recovery look like then? When... When you started to recover, like, what did you, what did you do? Why did you do it? Was there a, an episode or like an event? You're like, mate, I need to fucking give this a wrap. So, I would say there was a there was a few major things that happened that led to me getting sober. One was uh, try to suck your own dick, Stephen. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> what <a> hangover <laughs> getting stuck <laughs> I'm, tra- I'm kind of getting mixed up with my time frame what? right so basically it started with uh, my mate was getting married and we were going to a stag do in Berlin Uh-oh. so we were leaving on the Monday mm-hmm. and I was doing some work with ICW for Scott Squad. So they were doing their wrestling show at the SEC. Right. I think it was like 7,000 people. And the my part was I had this running beef with a wrestler called Lionheart, who's sadly passed away Aye, now. man, Adrian. Adrian. Aye, such a sad story, A mate. great, great guy. Aye, mate. By all accounts, a lovely guy. Yeah. And he trained me at the asylum, and it never quite worked out, but we remained friendly. I'm not saying, you know how sometimes when somebody passes away, they try to latch on and say, oh, he's my best mate. I'm not saying he was my best mate, but certainly if I bumped into him, we would be nice to each other. Right, yeah. And there was this running uh, joke that obviously wrestling scripted. So the thing was, uh, 
he was slagging me for being a failed trainee at the asylum. Right. I was slagging him for being a terrible coach. Mm-hmm. He broke his neck as well. And it all led up to this event at the SEC of me being in the crowd dressed up as Bobby, him pulling me over the railings right, and just beating me up. Who was their guest? What do you mean? The, now, like when they do ICW day, these big events at the SECC, the Hydro, they usually hire like a big name. Rhino. Rhino was there. Right, okay. But there was somebody else bigger there. But the, right. this is the point I'm saying. I can't even remember because I was that fucked. Right, okay. So Fuck. I turn up, right? And we don't get paid because there's so many people there getting paid. So we're not getting paid, but there's a free bar. And Mark Dallas, he says, look, go in there and help yourself to the free bar. We're obviously two hours late. We turn around, we walk around, right? There's nothing there. No juice, no cups. There's just one big fucking gallon bottle of whiskey, right? Right. And I think it's for, you know, Costco for like 60 quid. And everybody was like, fuck, drinking that, man, we'll be at our box. And I'm like, no, I'm drink that like there's no drink there i'm not getting paid i'm getting fucking some drink <laughs> take that gallon bottle of bells so Fuck's sake. i don't know how much i drank but i certainly drank enough probably a liter right right okay and fucking i hell. remember being in the audience and bl- i was blackout drunk and uh you know still functioning but like i've done my whole life you were standing aye basically right, aye. that was another moment as well somebody asked me how many gigs have you done? And I think I, around about that time, I said a thousand. And he says, how many gigs have you done sober? And I thought, fuck. Hmm. Uh, my first gig, right. maybe. And my, what, like 10 gigs or something. Right. Anyway, back to the ICW story. I'm standing there. Adrian has given me some chat and he goes to pull me over the railings and I am dead weight, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm about 20 stone, dead weight out my fucking nut and he drags me out of the railings and I fall flat on my back but there is a what's it called see the thing that's holding up the the railings it's like a steel bar aye right I know what you're talking about like, uh-huh. it's just holding it up so the railing doesn't fall uh-huh. I fall on top of that right Oof. don't feel a thing get up we done my bit it was very good went to the back I'm buzzing out my nut and I was like ah, fuck man I think I've got a a stress knot because I'm so like tense uh-huh. and there was a BBC uh, press person there and I was like ah, can you feel my back and she done that with her thumb she was like ah, fucking hell man that is a stress knot she's like that's really really bad man you should get a massage never thought about it again woke up the next day right mm-hmm. went to go in for a shower took my t-shirt off and see my entire right side it mm-hmm. was jet black right do you break it up Broke a rib, man. Oh, for fuck's sake. Broke two ribs. And, and, right, so, have you broke a rib sober? No. Right, I have. I don't think so. I get kicked in the ribs and basically, like, did your rib pop out? Did you have to go back? Did you have to that's go in and get That's why she was reset? like, Aye, that's the knot. Stress knot. It's, no, it's a fucking bone. <laughs> um, mate, that is, and I have... Um, broke legs, broke noses, broke my jaw, get punched into my fucking molars, flew, broke my elbow, like fell, fucking out, hell. fell out a tree and my elbow hit a brick and getting kicked in the ribs and my rib popping out is the worst pain I have ever felt in my life. Yeah. You can't breathe, like you I... try and lie down, you're like, holy shit, you can't get comfortable. So me thinking about that pain and how drunk you would have had to have been 
for you to get up and do wrestling with two broken ribs is incredible, yeah. mate. I mean, even a bruised rib is yeah. like, you can't move. Mental, isn't it? So, so I no wonder you get fucking sober. Right. So, but I was paranoid because I was going to my mates. This is no the end right, of the story. Right, it gets right, fucking right, stag do. It right, gets fuck, mental. I forgot about the stag do. Right. So I go to stop Paul, and I say, "I'm an actor. I'm in Scott Squad. I was in a wrestling show. This is while I'm still at my nut. I was at a wrestling show at the SCC last night, and I was drunk and it was dead weight, and I get pulled over." <laughs> <laughs> and the nurse is looking at me like who are you you fucking rocket <laughs> so he's like yeah, look you've got a broken rib we can't really do anything about it apart from giving you these really strong painkillers so I'm getting my shit ready for my mate stag do out my tits on painkillers run back to my house grab my suitcase don't even look at the suitcase stick in hunters of shit and go to Glasgow airport little did I know that two years before then, I went to Bulgaria with my best mate, right? Just a lad's holiday, just the two years. And it, for 14 days, I was blackout drunk, right? When I was in Bulgaria, I don't know if a lot of people know this, Scott Squad is about 95% improv. A lot of the sketches we come up with ourselves, with writers as well. And we were walking through the strip in Bulgaria, and I went to the stall, they were selling gas masks, samurai swords, and knuckle dusters, right? Right. And I seen this knuckle duster, and it was like something out of the, see the baddie, uh, uh, Shredder, out of the turtles? <laughs> aye, mate, It aye. was like his horn. Aye, aye. And see, to me, it was so comical, and so stupid looking. Right. I just couldn't, f I was like, I can't believe that that's a weapon. So in my head while I was drunk, I said, I'm going to buy that and I'm going to use it for Scott Squad. And the sketch will be uh, Bobby buys a ring for his granda, but <laughs> he buys they, don't, they don't know. He doesn't know it's a knuckle duster. Right. So it's a black knuckle duster. Put it into my black suitcase. And this is how much of a fucking idiot I was. Stuck the suitcase in my room and it's no moved for right. two years. Right. So, see, when I get back for the hospital and I pack my case for Berlin, uh -huh. there's still Bulgaria stickers on the suitcase. So, I'm running to Glasgow Airport. Now, there was a chain of events that just fucked me for the get go. It was you, you weren't allowed a full suitcase in, it was only handheld luggage or a really small suitcase. Right, but carry I've, on. I carry on, that's uh -huh. it. But I had, a, I had a suitcase the size of this fucking table. Aye. So straight away it flagged me up. And I remember standing in the queue, all my pals there. I'm drinking alcohol in the airport for a curer. I put my tits on these painkillers right. that I don't even know what are. Fuck's sake. And they stop it. The bags get stopped at customs. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what, what the fuck is taking them so long mm -hmm. to process this bag and i remember the guy looking at me like i was a psychopath and i was saying is it my shampoo mate <laughs> <laughs> oh no man you've got some sort of mad sex toy in your fucking <laughs> aye so little did i know he put well i did know he pulled out the fucking knuckle duster right and see the feeling of such a weird feeling of i never i completely forgot that it was there to begin with. Aye, so you're like confused. Aye. Right. And but embarrassed. Embarrassed, the shame. Uh-huh. And it was just like, 
all my mates were like, no fucking way, he's got a knuckle duster, because none of them knew either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stoning there. You must have been like, what the fuck is that, man? <laughs> I know, and it's the fact that I was going into Glasgow Airport, uh-huh. it wasn't the did, fact that I was you, leaving. <laughs> did you sober up quickly? Was it one of the things well, where you're like, oh no, the adrenaline pure goes not? It was weird because the police came, right? And the guy, the guy police was like, ah, he never said you're fucked, but he done that, you're in trouble. He's like, you're fucked. Right. And I was like, before we even go into the room for questioning, right. I said, mate, you're not going to listen to what I've got to say first. And he's like, ah, I don't know, like, how are you going to get past this? And I explained. Told him the story. Honestly, I told well, him honestly the I'm story. Well, I'm Bobby on Scott's Squad. <laughs> Did you lead with that? And he, I basically, I said, <laughs> I just told him what I told you. <laughs> and he said, look, You've no got a criminal record. You've never been in trouble. It's pretty obvious that you're no a dafty. That type of dafty. You're mm-hmm. a different type of dafty. So you can still go to Berlin and... They let you go? They let me go. Right. But he's like, yeah, you'll probably get a letter through regarding this. So they let me go. I was able to go to Berlin. But see that euphoric high of being let to go? Mm-hmm. That weekend just turned into a fucking mental binge. Uh, right. People gave me shots. So you entire... had the fuck it button because you were nearly in jail, nearly no gone, and you get away with it. You're like, yes, man, so fucking geezer. Then I came back and then I started. What, what happened? I came back and I realised I had a drink problem, right? And I never had a drink for seven months. And I stayed sober for seven months. Right. With no help from anyone. Never went to the doctors about depression. And this is what I'm saying. If you're struggling and you need help, you need to take every set of tool. You need to get in touch with somebody like Paul and ask for help while using many other different things to get you through this. Uh And I never done that. So Uh see for that seven months. If somebody says, how long you have to drink now? I'd be like 46 days. And see that, that is no healthy. That's another sign of an alcoholic. Because see, when you stop drinking, you want to be away for, for the shackles of addiction. I only drank for 14 years. Say I started when I was 14 and I stopped when I was 28. See, when I'm out in the tune when I'm 47, I don't want to recoil and disgust that somebody drinking a pint. Aye, I want to be able to sit in your company and for you to have a beer and for me to no give a fuck. Or... Because you need to live your life because booze and drugs and all that are never going to go away. So anyway, seven months sober and it was the worst fucking time of my life. I wanted to kill myself. I felt suicidal. And then my pal's wedding happened. The boy that had his stag do in Berlin. Went to stag do seven months before his wedding? Fuck's sake, man. Yes. Whatever happened to the night before, man? I know. So it's mental, isn't it? Aye, mate. And he's... Shiting himself in case he does something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and his wedding happened. And I remember my mate was there. And he was getting it. Fuck's sake, man. Are you half a baby? Oh, no, man. Like, you're always one of these mad cunts that are doing diets. You're always doing this. You're always right. doing that. Shaming How come you. you can't have a drink? And I was like, genuinely said to his face, sadly, we're no friends now. Which is another thing you need to do. If there's nobody there supporting you, get them to fuck see these negative people that hold you back with your depression and alcoholism, get them to fuck. So I went to the toilet, came back from the toilet and there was a pint on the table for me and he said, just have a pint. And I thought, you're an arsehole. And I was defenceless to the first drink 
because mm. I never had a support network there to help me. So as soon I locked myself away for seven months, cut myself off for the world, mm. first day out, Aye, I buckled. You buckled, mate. And wow. I had a beer, right? And then I went into the bus and there was a boy sitting there drinking whiskey for a flask whiskey again and he was like uh, this tastes like shite man do you want that and i was like fuck it had a half a flask of whiskey and i was out my tits now see at the time after the wedding everybody was like darn you were mad with it there was a video getting filmed when we were getting interviews at the end mm -hmm. like wh why are you happy with the couple getting married uh -huh. so there was a bit that i'd done when i was talking shite and it was really dark but see at the time when it happened I was so devastated with uh, shame and like being embarrassed, but I never. Uh, everybody's like, "Oh, you were out, you're not." But I look back at that and think I wasn't embarrassed about the wedding. I wasn't ashamed about that. I was just drunk. I wasn't any different for what everybody else was because everybody was taking drugs. Everybody was drunk. I was just so devastated because I was sober for seven months mm -hmm. and then I drank because I've went back and I've looked at the video of me talking shite and when it happened everybody was like mate you're out of order and I thought I looked at it and I said that's me just doing a bit like I'm clearly in uh, like I'm doing a character like I'm right. talking shite because the cameraman that was a wedding, a wedding video guy he was filming it he recognised me for Scott Squad. I'm out my tits, started to show off. I'm sitting there with a bird. I've got my arm runner. She walks away and my arm's still like that. So it's obvious that I'm doing a fucking bit. Was that planned that she walked away? No, she just walked away because I was gibbering shite, saying <laughs> we're going to get married and all that. Just talking shite. But at the time, I was so like gutted. But thankfully, my pals have came back and said, look, you were just mad with it. You weren't any different for anybody else. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, the 10th of December, uh, seven years ago. And a lot of people got sober that night, right? But see, because... Was that wedding a catalyst a for all sobriety? I can't get sober, right? But... Uh, That's a sign of a good night, mate. See if you and all your mates are like pure, we're off like, it for a year. There's like three people that have not had a drink since that wedding, <laughs> for right? For sake, man. So, what a night that uh, must have been. That was the 10th of December. And I was still, my head was absolutely fried, right? I, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm only 28. I can't be an alcoholic. So uh, the next day, um, I woke up and I was in my bed for 24 hours, pissing into bottles, couldn't move, depressed, suicidal. And I took a week off work. And then seven days later, a comedian said i want to work with you in some videos let's meet for a drink mm -hmm. and i said to him i'll meet you but i think i might be an alcoholic that was the first time i ever said that and i meant it and he said well why don't you just drink what i'm drinking instead of drinking what you normally drink just copy me and we'll see how that goes mm -hmm. and i went out that night and i was mentally physically and spiritually broken like crushed and then I, I didn't even want a drink i remember having a white wine never drank it before in my life disgusting shit man disgusting i think I had a gin oh mel disgusting shit couple of beers 
a red wine and we were standing at the bar and I think it was like rum. It was some type of cocktail rum or something. And I remember when I was drinking it, something honestly in my head just done that enough. Like it was like an, an, an inner voice. I don't know if they say it's an, a higher power or whatever because I've said a million times that I'm not going to drink anymore. That's me after I need help. But that moment in time, I was like, I'm done. And 17th of December was my last drink. And I knew it was going to be hard. I knew that, you know, you're removing that self-medicating. What am I going to replace it with? Mm -hmm. I've replaced it with a lot of things. Food, to this day, is still a struggle. You know, I can mm -hmm. be skinny, I can be fat. Uh, but, you know, it's weird because fucking six years, man. It is weird and it doesn't get easy. You think, oh, I'm going to get dead skinny, become a millionaire and be a mad shagger, get a big house up in the West End. Mm -hmm. None of that happens. Like, Well, this is what... <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, that, I've never really thought about that, like, to, in that sense of... Um, like, people talk about all these pure amazing things that happen when they get sober and mm -hmm. blah, 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 and it's like, mm, maybe that doesn't happen for everybody. Like... Sometimes sobriety is disappointing for people. That's mm -hmm. why they relapse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, have you ever relapsed? I've never relapsed, which I, to this day I still find strange mm -hmm. because I don't think I'm that strong a person. See, when I want something, see, when I get a hunger for food or doing something bad, I just do it. Like, there's no self-control with me. But it's weird with sobriety. Mm, I think I don't... I, I think you've got a self-defeating belief there, mate, because if you have managed to stay off alcohol and drugs for six years, something that you've struggled with before that, then you've got plenty of self-control. Yeah. So I think you've got a bit of a sort of self-defeating thing there, where you're like, I don't have any self-control, I can't trust myself, but you definitely do. You just need to apply the same principles that you've applied to that, Yeah. to other things. But I think you, you said something really, you've replaced your addiction with food, so that's why you're struggling with that. You know, yeah. um, I always think, well, addiction's always a symptom of something else, something mm. deeper there. And um, if you can deal with that, you can deal with the, the addiction Yeah, probably quite easily. Like if, you know, it's going to be hard. Like if after the physical withdrawals go, as long as you know why you're doing it, and I think you must know why you're off the alcohol and it must be really strong, Yeah, then it'll make it a lot easier for you, you know. Um, well, they say, you know, you're either born feeling that you're the black sheep of your family or you've got a hole in your soul and you try to fill it with things. Mm -hmm. And that's what's made me realise that there's a problem because I've always felt odd or different from my pals mm -hmm. or right. from my family. And I've, I've always had this feeling of having a hole in my soul before I even found that out. And I, I love the term like Jekyll and Hyde because I can be the nicest person in the world, but as soon as I put alcohol into my body, I want to commit suicide. So how can you go for this quiet wee guy that loves his ma that then... <sighs> fucking hell, man. Choking up, mate. <sighs> I'm choking up there, man. Wow. Fuck, let it out, mate, for fuck's sake. This is a Christmas special. <laughs> Episode Chris, 10, mate. Suck my knob next. Definitely not choking that.
<laughs> Sorry, mate. No, that's all right. No, but that... How can you do that and then go for completely just fucked? Like, mm-hmm. I lost my place there. It's the fact that you're staring at me and all with your big sexy... Sorry, mate. <laughs> Sorry. <mate. laughs> Sitting pure stroke now. Merry Christmas. Anti-therapist therap- mode, mate. I think you'd... Mate, if that's... If, if, you know, I think that... Um, like, I don't even know what how to unpack a, a bit of that on a fucking microphone. Like, just get the microphone for. But like, if that is who you are, like a sensitive um, person, and then when you take drugs or alcohol, you change. Uh-huh. Don't take the drugs and alcohol. It changes you as a person. And if that is because you're like, I've got a black hole. Like that's where I would say to people, fill that hole with something. <laughs> fill that black yes, hole <laughs> fill that black hole with something that's more productive yeah you know like whatever it is your comedy your yeah. career fill it with something do something where like yeah. put put that energy into something that isn't fucking yourself up and hurting yeah. yourself mate you know and i think that's why you need to be kind to yourself during these times because the last time the last two years we've been living through a pandemic so if you do feel a wee bit stressed or maybe you lose your gratitude towards sobriety which i've probably done and other people have done but they've remained sober you just need to look at the fucking bigger picture we're living in a sci-fi movie if you're stressed if you've put a wee bit of weight on if you've lost weight as well, because that can be a problem to people and people uh-huh. get judged on that, man. For sure, mate. I know a couple of my mates that really, it really hurts their feelings mm-hmm. when people talk about... Aye, how skinny they are. Aye. So that can work both ways and that can be stress or under-eating or wh- whatever it is. I think you just need to be uh, kind to yourself. Cause For sure, mate. Self-improvement without self-acceptance and self-compassion is absolutely fucking futile. Yeah. Because you're not improving anything. Well, the reality is you are improving things, like, but within your perspective, if you can't accept who you are for yeah. who you are, and you can't be compassionate towards yourself through recovery, it probably won't be what you want it to be. Yeah. Um. And I mean, that's a principle that I just live my life by. Just accept who you are. Yeah. Like you're saying there, how do I go for being this? We just accept the wee guy. Yeah. Except the wee guy that loves his more. Just accept the guy that has a bevy and starts to be a bit of a prick or starts to be a bit starts to act out. Just accept yeah. it that that's who you are. Um and even that you can't drink, just Aye. accept that. Like just accept don't fight it. Don't yeah. make it a battle. Just turn it into this is unfortunate. Like do you think that somebody who has anaphylactic shock because they eat peanuts is sitting greeting about the fact that they can't no, they're afraid of peanuts, so like keep them the fuck away from me. Exactly. And I think that that is the type of mindset that you can be, you know, like, are you going to go mental at somebody eating a packet of peanuts in front? No. If you're on a plane, you know, if it's going to put you in that danger, like Uh your mate, oh, here, here's a pipe. Fuck you. Do you know what? Like, you're a fucking... You need a fucking therapist. Fuck me, yeah, man. And That's see disgusting, this. mate. I can't believe that. Yeah, it really hurt me and it's made me... Uh, it's never made the friendship the same. But recently I found that um, he was a year sober. Well, good for him then. Good for him. All the best to him. I know a lot of people project that they're, their own troubles and problems. and But it's still disgusting because even... even See, if I was sitting at a party with you back in the day, right? And I had a gram of coke on us. And I said, Paul, do you want a line? 
see if you, I would like you to take that line because the two years could have a laugh together and talk shite, but see if you never took that line of coke. In my fucking head, I'd say yes, mere coke for me. Aye, but what about if I was like, no, I'm totally against that. You would be like, I, I think it's, it, it's no that maybe somebody's like, oh, I don't, I don't I've never tried it or whatever. I think it's like, if somebody was to say, if you were fucked up, right? If you're fucked up, this is only the way that this works. Um, if you've got a problem with coke and then you sit with somebody that's like, I've kicked it. Then you go into this sort of self-loathing, who do they think they are? Yeah. And that, and then when you're close to that person, like a mate, then that's when you you start to taunt them. You start to be like fucking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like um. Like the vegan stuff. Mate, I always re- I exactly. I always remember I had a mate that gave up weed, and this he wasn't even a weed smoker. He was a hash smoker back in the day. Uh-huh. Big hash hash dealer actually, and he used to sit at parties with a bottle of Buckfast and a fag. And me and my mate would spark a joint and they'd be like, these are fucking junkies, man, disgusting. Fucking drugs are for mugs. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of self-loving are you involved in, mate? Like, you've got a bottle of fucking high-caffeine alcohol fucking fu- f- fuck-nose rocket fuel in your horn and you're smoking 20 Club. And I'm a fucking junkie. Yeah. I'm sorry, mate. No, thank you. Like, But that's... It's, it's all about self-loving, mate. See, when people do that, bait people, taunt people, bully people. Yeah. It's their own self-loathing that causes them to do that. And see your mate. See if he's sober. Connect with him, man. Yeah. Say to him. Like, see when you did that at that wedding, mate, that fucking broke my heart, by the way. Yeah. Bet you any money will be like, I'm so sorry. And you might even be able to get your fucking relationship back on track. Back to normal. Yeah, I, I look back now and I think everything happens for a reason. And the six years has been... Uh, eventful because I haven't been completely sober I suppose because I've went to Peru and I took ayahuasca and I remember coming back from Peru and everybody was like well it's mind altering drugs and I thought but there's nothing enjoyable about ayahuasca and it's a it's a a plant Uh so would you like gone and eaten nettles shifts your consciousness in a slight way would that yeah. mean that you're no sober mm-hmm. nah mate I mean you smoke cigars mate yeah so uh, does that mean that you're not because you don't have a problem with them mm-hmm. you don't have a ayahuasca problem that's where I get um, you know and as a professional that is bullshit see if somebody's like oh you smoke cigars that's breaking your sobriety no yeah. it's no because you had a problem with Eckies, coke and alcohol and you're off that so you're still sober so I get that shit in the yeah. bin. Even if you were at a house party and took a couple of draws of a joint just to be like, I wonder what this is like now yeah. at this age, would that mean that your sobriety's out the window? Yeah. No, mate. No, no, no. Like, pff, aye, that is that is a ridiculous sentiment to me. Like, ayahuasca yeah. is a fucking life-saving, you know, substance that people yeah. take to recover from alcohol. This is the one where... We're starting to get new studies and data where they're saying, like, I actually, like, weed is amazing to get people off of heroin. Magic mushrooms is amazing to get people off of heroin. Like, ayahuasca is amazing for these hard drug addictions. Mm-hmm. These are softer drugs, you know? And, yeah. and I don't even think anything that grows in the ground could be fucking classified as a drug, yeah, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And it's not like, <laughs> see, see when you take Ekkies, you think, right, this is going to last, say, five hours. You drink a pint, you're going to be drunk for four hours. Ayahuasca, in my personal opinion, is not a drug. It 
it is probably the most terrifying thing I've ever took in my life. It wasn't enjoyable. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone that isn't serious about it. Mm -hmm. It's not a bucket list type of thing. When you take ayahuasca, your life will never be the same. Mm -hmm. On top of it being physically just breaks you, mentally breaks you, and it tastes like shit. So my pals that are sober, like, well, it was a mind altering substance. You've escaped, like, reality. But I haven't really because, see, when I drink alcohol, even when you're fucked and depressed, you still enjoy it. Like, it still Aye, tastes good. Aye, you take sure. a line of coke and you, you feel... It might be a fake happiness. It might be a fake dopamine hit. Uh-huh. But it's still there. It's a high. Uh-huh. When you take ayahuasca, you are going into another fucking Aye, universe. Mate, you fucking meet your reality, man. Uh-huh. You're, you're going further into your reality. I, your I was getting, like, visions for fucking God about my death. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm back in Glasgow <laughs> thinking, I'm Bobby. Some kids, <laughs> some kids drinking a pint of tennis like, well, you're no sober now. You've... You are in Peru drinking that ayahuasca. You are not sober. Here, have some fucking fuck off. But, mate, I've smoked plenty of DMT. I know exactly what you're talking about as far as the visions and stuff. It's not as intense as ayahuasca. It doesn't last as long, but I know what you're talking about. And if somebody was to say to me, like, DMT is a sobering experience. Uh Like, you come out of that going, I know more Mm -hmm. about life. No waking up going, I want to fucking kill myself because I'm hungover. You know what I mean? Well, I've took DMT. And I would say DMT is better than ayahuasca. It's kind of like, it's, ayahuasca is kind of like drinking, you know, a, a gallon of beer and DMT is like necking a bottle of tequila. <laughs> aye, <laughs> Straight aye. into your fucking veins if you were to get like an alcohol <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, relevance. But I mate, um, what else you got to say in your sobriety? Like, so I think I've covered everything, um, you know, the, the, I don't I don't mean to be self-indulgent there. That was me just sharing experiences of my first drink, my last drink, and everything in between. And um, if anybody's struggling, then see, always what we've said since we've been doing this podcast, you know, I mean, this is what I did, right? I phoned the Samaritans because I was too self-conscious right, okay. to... To just go to the doctor or I whatever. Mean, or? The very first time I ever went to an AA meeting is when I was twenty four years old. After I don't know if it was a suicide attempt. I still don't know to this day if it was a suicide attempt. But basically, I was in. The, I went to the pub. My back was fucked through training. Right, absolutely fucked. Like a trapped nerve. And I went to the pub. I get steaming, and I think I went home. That night, and I took too many paracetamol because of my back. And I, I'm, you know, I have had suicide attempts in my life, but that one, I genuinely, hand to my heart, don't think it was a suicide attempt. Well, that's it, mate. And it wasn't it? Aye. And I think it was just a, a drunken mistake of mm-hmm. having a fucked back. And take too many painkillers. I either <clears throat> took them and then I forgot that I took them and I took mare, but I woke up the next day. <laughs> I woke up the next day in my dad's house, right? And the kitchen was flooded. And uh, my I was lying under my bed, fucked. And my dad walked in and he's like, ah, we saw these fucking empty packets of paracetamol and all that. And I was like, oh, it's my back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the sauna in the steam room. I got up, went to go to the sauna in the steam room, and I collapsed on a pavement. 
down the road and I thought, fuck, I've gave myself a fright, go up, went up to Stockpile and I basically said, look, I, I think I've took too much paracetamol. Then it, it just descended into madness of them saying, we've got reason to believe that you maybe tried to take your life. And I was like, no, my back's fucked. <laughs> my back. So uh, I don't even know why I started telling that story, but everything, anyway, it wasn't a genuine suicide attempt, but this is I phoned I, the Samaritans I, I went to my first AA meeting when I was 24 and I remember walking in and everybody was there everybody that was there was about 90 and I thought right I'm not an alky because I'm about 50 years younger than every cunt in this room right. couple of years on for there I was too self conscious I phoned the Samaritans and it was just something really beautiful about being able they know what they're doing they're absolute experts in what they're doing it's like she answered the phone. First and foremost, I was ashamed because it was a woman. I don't, I don't know right. why. So that made me kind of quiet. And she just knew what to ask, when to ask it. And I ended up opening up to her. And to this day, it was still one of the most powerful, beautiful conversations I've ever had with someone. It was really intense, crying on the phone and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it made me... It basically made me realise that I needed to ask for help. And I went down to my GP for the first time. And I remember going into my GP, sitting there, cradling myself, basically. Couldn't make eye contact. And she knew the questions, what to ask again. Mm -hmm. And then that made me go. They sent me to therapy, an alcohol counsellor. And then... You know, it steadied the boat. And mm -hmm. it, it took, took a it, lot of courage, mate, to it, do that. It went there. A lot of people slag the NHS and stuff, but there's help there if you want it. And it's like I say, man, if there's tools there, especially free tools, I mean, the Samaritans are free. Ah, it's a charity, mate. I, I, I always would always echo that, mate. See if you'll know, I phone the Samaritans, phone yep. something, like, do something. Just, uh, just don't do nothing like just exactly. do something contact there's so many like good charities out there do you know what i mean so many like good meetings and stuff that you can go and resources mm -hmm. that you can lean on but uh -huh. i think that the big barrier is getting over that shame that yeah. you spoke about and but if you do it mate it's just the benefits are unmeasurable really yeah you know if you can face that maybe i'm an addict can i get some treatment you yeah. know um, what's the other option are you just gonna fucking die and all your family and all your mates are gonna miss you because there's no shame in saying that you're fucked everybody's fucked now and again and uh, especially like right now like huh? you're saying the world that we live in right now we're talking earlier about reasonable mentally well people that are starting to question their reality because of the yeah. world that we live in right now so everybody is a wee bit fucked mate because uh -huh. you can still be sober and no go to AA it's whatever works for you that's it, mate. I, I went to AA, I remember people, you phone the AA helpline and they'll send somebody to pick you up at your house. Did you know that? No, mate. They'll drive to your... See if you phone an AA helpline in Glasgow right now, someone would drive to your house tonight, pick you up and take and you take to a, you meeting. a meeting. And see after that, see if it's for you, it'll change your fucking life. Aye, mate. You meet sober pals, you start to live sober 
and it is what it is. I remember all my family are kind of struggling with booze, and I've got one un one uncle that's thirty years sober, and I always remember everybody saying, "What's wrong with that cunt? Something all right with him?" Ah, uh, he doesn't like a drink. Can he like trust him? A shining light in the uh, family. Mate, fuck's sake. So that's the Samaritans. You can get breathing space. What else have we got? Have you, can you think any? Fuck, mate. There's Brothers in Arms are a suicide prevention charity. The guys have got the Thrive app that you can get access to and it's free of charge and it's got professional, you know, addiction stuff and that one there. They'll help. They're suicide prevention, but they'll help with any sort of struggles. Um fuck mate there'll be you know gambling anonymous gambling charities just go and find it mate yep. google like see anybody it's like i didn't even know where to look see in this day and age it's like come on the fuck mm. literally all of the information's at your fingertips you know what i mean and if you don't have i don't know man if you can't afford wi-fi or anything like just get a mate and even just contacting a friend telling yeah. them that you're feeling fucked up tell them that you're not feeling great that you need help it'll be the best thing you've ever done for yourself mate you know what i mean Amazing, mate. Um, I'm the fucking Grinch, the cunt that smashed up there. <laughs> Did you see that? A woman paid 80 quid for somebody to come to her house dressed as the Grinch and the, the guy in or Wayne trashed the fucking house. Oh, so you deserve it. Aye. See 80 quid, I know. I know. Yeah, I'm uh, going to dress up as a Grinch and jump about fucking punching <laughs> for 80 quid. Will we wrap so up? You want to wrap up, aye? That's aye, in your half. Aye, mate. See, because this is the last podcast before we both take a holiday i think we should not do much editing with that i think we should give the punters a treat and let them have an hour and a half unless there's something that we said in there that you're like let's cut cool. it out mate but, i don't give a fuck like yes I'll put it out, mate. let's go that's let's my baby right, that's my do. baby boy let's do it right right so i just want to say thank you to everybody for listening to the podcast unfortunately the Avalon pub is shut down now, so we don't have a sponsor. If there's anybody out there that would like to sponsor us, then get in touch. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can buy a coffee and everything goes towards uh, the podcast. So I just want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. I also want to thank Paul for helping me. It's a nice new friendship that I have in my life. And I just hope you are all well and safe and we'll see you after the bells. And my name's Darren and I'm grateful to be here and sober. <laughs>